Have you have you guys heard the name that they get called now? It's hilarious. I love it. What? Fuck boys. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're off to a great start, aren't we? Yes, we are. Are you recording okay. this? <laughs> it's been recording for five minutes now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's start. Three, two. I'm Dr. Daryl Ray, and I took a left at the valley, and the party was really good. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated Coming at you from Bible Belt, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I tell you that happiness is a loving, close-knit family in another city. <laughs> yep. yep. Joining me as usual is the team that says that life gives you lemon, get vodka, and have a party. <gasps> and you can't forget the salt. <laughs> Don't forget the salt. <laughs> she used to be Snow White, but then she drifted. Nancy. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and she said they can't be a crisis because her schedule is already full. Christina. Yeah. It would help if I had like an actual schedule though. It'd probably keep my life a little bit more organized. That's what you and me for. <laughs> and she's sorry, but if you were right, she'd agree with you. Kirsten. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, welcome back. Thank you so much. I hope you had a great week. It's good oh. to be back. I got my hair done. Yeah. And it looks fantastic. And really, it's really long. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you guys don't understand. I've my I had my hair cut to like three inches when I was about seven, and since then I've been growing it uh, out. Okay. Yeah, we were we were about, we were about to call you Rapunzel, but now it's <laughs> Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your okay. hair. Yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking to. Uh, Atheist cartoonist Rebecca Fox. So that should be interesting. We do. I think it's our first cartoonist ever. I think so. Yeah. So that should be fun. Mm -hmm. But first, let's do a bit of chit chat. Uh, well, you know, after the whole shootings that have been happening in Florida, did you guys hear that uh, after Florida decided to put "In God We Trust" in every school? Well, now Florida has voted to arm teachers. Wait, they oh. actually voted oh, for that? Yes. Oh my and it gosh. Passed. Okay, can I can I just get some they, clarification around this? Is it like all teachers? Uh, it doesn't say. Well, point. the the bill that I haven't read yet, I think is sort of um, a nebulous, you know, just kind of an over view of yeah in other words the, teachers can pack when they're teaching oh my gosh yeah, that is a, the okay. horriblest idea on the they, planet yes, exactly and they also voted not to do anything about um uh, uh bump stocks oh or ar-15s they they prefer their guns they, they prefer the safety of the however yeah, they can make any law they want to regarding arming arming the teachers, but if the teachers say hell no, but the thing is, there's going to be some the the craziest teachers, the ones you don't want bringing a gun to school, will now bring bring a gun to school. I, I have a feeling that the teachers unions and the teachers groups will effectively yeah. stop it Hopefully. in its tracks. I, I, I really so. do because you can't compel someone to, to bring a gun to bring a gun. And the worst oh, part yeah. is that they did this while facing the victims and the 
relatives of the shooting. Wow. Uh, so the last line of defense were these people, and they were there during the vote, and it still passed. So now they got a $67 million school program called the Marshall Program. It actually it does some things that are, I guess, a bit better. It extends to a three-day waiting period when you're going to buy a, a gun. Uh, it goes from, uh, you can buy a gun from uh, uh, the age of 21 instead of 18. And... Um, they hope with the $67 million program to have 10 armed teachers per school, what? which would make about 37,000 teachers armed statewide. Wow. Because it's, the solution it's not, to it's guns. Not gonna, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I mean, they get a three-day waiting period, so fine. Some nut can buy a gun on a Friday. He can go and shoot everybody on exactly. Tuesday. But, yeah. but can, is nobody like looking at the fact that you like teachers are humans. Humans can break. And, like, what happens when a teacher is in a class and a, and a student is, like, freaking out? It's already and, it's and, already happened. And the teacher can't handle it and uses his gun. Yeah. Like, what happens if a student is, like, being antagonistic toward the teacher? Imagine when and you're a black, t- black student. Yeah. And, like, now that now you have to worry about your teacher just shooting you? Well, yeah. like not That's to- why no rational people like, are for this whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, during, like, the, during the shooting, wow. there was four sheriffs. That didn't yeah. enter the school because they were concerned about the guy with the AR-15, the assault rifle. And now you think your teacher, little Miss Pennyworth something, is going to jump with a John Woo style and shoot yeah. sideways? I mean, come well, on. I, I really have. They're... I mean, this, this probably sounds overly optimistic, but I really and truly, you know, trust the judgment of rational people enough to say it ain't going to happen mm-hmm. because other than the NRA and Trump, there's, you know, have a few nuts that want to buy guns yeah. and shoot everybody up. It, 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 it's not, it, it's not a feasible, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a way to go for, for any country. With, with the bill that they've passed with the arming teachers, is there any regulation around how like often the teachers have to like be updating their skills and like, if, is there any like, they have question. to be able to like do this, like, course in this amount of time or they can't have a gun in school like like is there any regulation another note on that is is there any regulation do they have to have it like in a locked like a oh no box they, or they something like that yeah. or they, i don't like, know how many so, details we so have to now, read the bill so but, now now a student no. now a crazy person doesn't need to buy a gun they just have to go to school like, and take oh, a gun from a teacher i just have to wait for english class yeah. that's yeah. right i could i could just i don't know about you guys but i can imagine, wow. remember my teachers and like, they could barely handle a ruler in chalk <laughs> so i'm not sure they could yeah i mean kids can break into a school on saturday night you know, drill mm-hmm. through the lock, get the guns, and they can be well armed by it's Monday. It's probably their personal gun to yeah. carry on themselves at all time. Uh, and to make things work. Yeah. I have another question. Are are they ready? Aren't paid? On some, Trump, like, Trump did this say that now he, they have be some to, bonuses for teachers. Well, the, the NRA might be enough for, will furnish yeah. it for yeah. people who otherwise want to, okay, to get this a little bit extra money to pay my mortgage i i don't know if any i mean the, but the thing is when people are desperate yeah uh, money I mean, makes people desperate i mean i'm sure i think in texas they do have some armed teachers but um, well but the thing I, is at this oh at this school that um parkland um, high school there was an armed guard yeah like so it's not like it was didn't have someone already there it's like and also, How is ten more people going to help? You have to remember when you, if you're facing something like an, uh, an AR-15, which is an assault weapon, uh, 
the bullets are flying a lot faster than what your gun's pointing out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. By the time you you, tr- you shoot one thing, uh, you get ten more bullets from the, the other weapon coming at you. So it's there's a reason why these sheriffs didn't want to go into the school because you know what? Do you, I mean, it, if you stop and think, but do you realize how absolutely crazy this conversation oh, it's insane. is? It's, insane. it's like we're trying to adapt, you know, to to an insane. We're trying to apply rational thought to an insane program. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, you know, the more we get involved into how are they going to do this how are they going to do that the whole thing becomes psychotic mm-hmm. you know it's there's just no there's no rational yeah. meaning to any of this i'm sorry ladies i've got nothing but bad news this week unfortunately <laughs> that's okay uh moving on we did you guys hear about this anti-gay bill in georgia yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very briefly. I, think I, I saw a snippet really... about it. Yeah, I, it's I called heard... the, the Free Exercise Protection Act. I just love the way you name this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And it basically uh, protects faith-based discrimination, essentially. Uh, but I guess part of the good news is Disney... They, I, coming, this is what yes, I heard, yes. Yeah, they came in and said they will pull out all their filming, because a lot of filming is actually done in Georgia, oh, yeah. uh, if uh, the bill goes through. <laughs> Uh, the governor, Nathan Deal, uh, he must decide by May 3rd. And we're talking about billions of dollars in the balance because he, that's also where they film a lot of the movies like uh, yeah. the Marvel mo- superhero movies and all mm-hmm. that. So, so he's got a tough decision to make. And, well, it's not, it's not really a tough decision, but for him it is. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, I'd go with Disney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the midterms are coming. All of those yeah. Republican legislators, you know, so. are, so. are, are going to be looking for jobs as dog catchers somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you guys hear that there's a heat wave that pushed the temperature in Greenland? And this this is like yes. this week to 6.1 degrees. We're talking yeah. about in February here. But we're at the beginning of March now, right? And at 2 degrees at the North Pole. It's ridiculous. Was above freezing at the North Pole in February. Wow. That's Think insane. About this. And but this, didn't you know global warming doesn't exist? And, and this gets worse <laughs> because this you're in the middle of winter. There is no sun up there right now. Right? What? It's perpetual oh, darkness. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's perpetual darkness because it's the winter, right? Yeah. The sun actually won't reappear till March 20th. So, and it's above freezing right now in the North Pole. That's incredible wow. when you think about it. So now we're going to start scheduling pool parties in March at the North Pole? Yeah. I mean, this it should, it should be like minus 20, minus 30 right now. Up Dude, there. I could literally be walking up there without a jacket. Yeah, exactly. Hey. Everybody get your swim fins and your uh, water wings ready. <laughs> wow. Um, did you guys hear, also hear that the U.S., uh, Donald Trump, wants to impose tariffs on imports of steel and aluminum, which will affect us, Canada? Yes, because, because we're... Can, I, can I just jump here for a second? Of I just, course. right now, the temperature is three degrees. Wow. Here. Yeah. Here. That's insane. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like trying to, like, the, 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 the coldest place on planet. Normally, is as warm as it is right now. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. <laughs> so, so uh, they want to impose. Well, he's talking about imposing a twenty-five percent tariff on steel and aluminum. He's super. Because trade wars are good. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's what he says. <laughs> trade wars are good. Oh, now, the foreign God. minister Christina Freeland basically says Canada's going to have responsive measures if that happens. Everyone will have responsive and measures. Even, even the U.S. Steelworkers Union in the U.S. actually is asking uh, the Trump uh, government to make an exception for Canada because, you know what, you don't want to cut off the supply because we are the supply, mainly, of that uh, those materials. Well, the only, the only saving grace at this point is that it's just talk. Yeah. And I think, I, I, I'll have to look this up here, I'm talking and I'm not, there's no research behind it, but I think 
in in trade policies and things like that that if the the president proposes something congress can override it or there's a balance there yeah. so but there's about a week i think where cooler heads can get him cornered and say listen this is reality yeah. you know ixnay on the aid tray eel day you know? <laughs> so far, so far this congress hasn't had the tenacity or the strength to actually yeah. but the, but the republicans are against it there's a majority of republicans sure that are so. really mad about the trade deal so just we'll if they see. were that mad about him sticking tariffs on solar cells yeah exactly <laughs> however there's a possibility that trump could strip off his clothes and run screaming naked through the hallways between <laughs> now and then because he's in meltdown mode why did you make me picture that that's a hell of a show yeah yeah, yeah thanks nancy you got a bad taste <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, what used to be one of my favorite magazines, National Geographic. Oh, I heard about that. Sinks even lower. Ever since they've been bought by Rupert Murdoch in 2015, the guy who owns Fox and all that stuff, mm. uh, they've been just sinking lower and lower. Now, apparently they're sending glass water bottles filled with healing crystals to science writers, hoping that they get some kind of science paper out of this. The gems represent the elements, earth, water, fire, wood, that kind of stuff, and are said to, quote, raise the energy level of water. Ah, oh. and there goes <laughs> National Geographic. Oh. Hey, the oh. pictures are still pretty. Oh, yeah, still pretty pictures, <laughs> pretty rocks. Raise the energy oh. level of water. All right. Unbelievable. Hopefully it is a story that is uh, on the back page. Like, <laughs> isn't, so. like, the headline? <laughs> Oh, God. We need to bring National Geographic back. Uh-huh. Soon enough, they'll be yeah. doing... Spe- well, they already do specials about Jesus and all that shit. Seriously? Oh, they do. National, Ge- National Geographic Channel? I'm, Absolutely. I, I don't have TV. Yeah, they yeah. did that I'm last, a millennial. I don't have TV. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's turning into a shit yeah, show. Hi, my dear Nancy. You got a top 10 for us this week? Yeah. I do. And it's... it's uh, since we've got a little girl power going, it's okay. kind of funny... That uh, today's top ten has to do with top women scientists. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited! That you've never heard of before. Mm. And there's I'll a bet re- you I have heard of some of them. You, I bet you, of anybody in this room, you probably <laughs> yeah. have. These are in no particular order. Do you order. remember, like, like three years ago, we did a show on this? We did. Yeah. And so some of these women may be on the list that we did three years ago. But I think it's worth another oh, another shot for sure. Um, one of the uh, the the ones that um, goes back to um, the early 1900s is a, a scientist whose name is Margaret Knight, and Margaret Knight was a, an exceptionally prolific inventor, and um, journalists compared her to. Thomas Edison, and they named her the Lady Edison, but she's fallen off the books. We don't hear from her anymore. But she came up with a lot of inventions that had to do with safety. She did. She invented a, a device for textile um, looms, and uh, if anything, she's probably the most famous for inventing uh, shopping bags that have really? the, the bottom so that they stand alone. Oh my and gosh, folding she's, them. She 
is my new hero. It's, she is. Oh my she, gosh, those are the best. Yeah, <laughs> she received 27 patents in her lifetime for inventions that included shoe manufacturing machines, a dress shield to protect garments from perspiration stains, a rotary engine, and an internal combustion engine. Wow. This was one wow. really smart lady. And she had the patents, but I don't know whatever happened to, mm-hmm. to the patents, whether they went to the family, whether they were sold, whatever. But she was a very strong, strong, independent lady. Another one from um, the late 1800s is a lady named Catherine Blodgett. She was educated at Bryn Mawr and the University of Chicago, and then she became a pioneer uh, because she actually received a PhD in physics in England at a time when women weren't allowed in a lot of the the programs. But um, her area of expertise, believe it or not, was military needs like gas masks, smoke screens, de-icing airplane wings. Um, She was pretty much of a chemist, and uh, she she um, invented non-reflective glass. Where do we ever wow. hear of Catherine Blodgett, you know, with non-reflective yeah. glass, something that's that's here and we um, serve so many different purposes. It's part of our lives. We don't even think of it. Um, Stephanie Qualick, she was um, born in 1923 and was with us till 2014 and she actually graduated from Carnegie Mellon and then began to work at DuPont and she spent 40 years there working on new synthetic fibers. In 1965 um, she created um, a durable new fiber called Kevlar which is used, yeah, she's the one that did the the, um, bulletproof vest and things like that and she actually was inducted into the National Inventor Hall in 1994. So good, good for her. She was given the given the the credit for the uh, helmets and bulletproof vests and things that that she came up with, which is great. This one you might remember. Um, her name is Rosalind Franklin. Yeah. There, I think you know her. She discovered the, the DNA double helix, um, which is often attributed to James Watson and Crick. But she actually did the work, but they got the credit. As it yeah, they stole, goes. they stole. They stole. They stole the. the, the the, the data, didn't they? Yeah, she yeah. was a British biophysicist, and um, she um, um, they did steal it because they didn't get her permission to take her to take her work. But now it's becoming more widely known, and you see her name, That's uh, so you know, good. more and more, which is which is a good thing. Shirley Jackson was a theoretical physicist, and she was the first black woman to be awarded a PhD from MIT in 1973, worked at Bell Laboratories, and uh, she worked with subatomic particles that enabled others to invent a portable fax, touchstone telephone, solar cells, fiber optic cables, and other technology behind caller ID. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, she's beginning to break through on a lot of lists, but she still isn't really well known. It's, she passed it's so a- cool how much her inventions have touched so many different areas. Yeah, she passed away in 1992, and uh, she did get some honorary degrees from uh, 30 universities. <laughs> wow. Even so, people don't think of Shirley Jackson when they think of all the devices. Maria Beasley, 
Um, she was an early uh, um, 1900s lady. Uh, she was an inventor, and she made a fortune with uh, with one invention, and that was a. Um, she she actually had 15 inventions: a foot warmer, anti derailment device for trains, a barrel making machine. Um, but in 1880, she invented something that um, would save lives at sea, and that was an improved life raft. Oh, so fantastic. that was her major major contribution. Um, and uh, in the uh, in the 1880 census. She was listed as an unemployed housewife while she was actively Seriously? involved in doing all the inventions. So I don't know whether whether male names are included on you know the things that she just did. gave me a sinking feeling. An unemployed <laughs> housewife, yeah, sinking. Yeah, she did. She prevented others from getting that yeah, sinking exactly. feeling. Mary Anderson. Uh, who is with us, and she was born in 1866, um, and she was a lady that invented windshield wipers. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah, she thought of them, um, and she was a real estate developer and rancher, and when she developed New York City in, 19, in 1902, she wrote on a trolley car where the driver had to open the panes of the front window in order to see through the falling sleet and that's where she got <gasps> got her idea so um in 1922 cadillac became the first car manufacturer to include windshield wipers and after her patent expired they just you know became yeah. worldwide they could use them but they started with her i can't help but notice some a lot of these inventions are designed to keep the woman the inventor warm <laughs> you know the foot warmer the there you go you know, to keep safe. you nice and cozy warm, yeah. warm and safe yeah okay yeah. Christine here's another one that I think you, you'll recognize Grace Hopper uh, what did she, she? I might know Grace what, Hopper. By what she invented. She had to do with computers, and she was a programming uh, pioneer. Uh, she was a mathematician and a U.S. Navy Reserve officer. She began her computer science career when all programs were written in numerical code, and she developed ways to make computers yeah. talk. But didn't you know that women aren't good at math? No, terrible. <laughs> Math and science, yeah. terrible, uh, terrible. Our and, brains just don't work for it. <laughs> yeah. By the time she passed away in 1992, she had received honorary degrees from 30 universities. So she was one that did get 30? some accolades. 30. Wow. Yeah. So and, she, and nobody knows about this? No. Oh, I see yeah. her name more and more on, on different lists. Who else do we know that's got 30 honorary degrees from anywhere? Well, yeah. the previous person just mentioned... Yeah, but I mean, I yeah. maybe maybe Veronica Trans from last week or something like that. But I mean, holy crap! It, it, the more you you read about women in science and technology and inventions and and all those, the more in in an art, the more enraged you get because you realize how much these you know what these women went through when they did all of the work when they went to school when they did everything and made these contributions and everything in essence was stripped from them in terms yeah. of acknowledgement because and, they were women and they're not good at numbers <laughs> and, they, and they did all this while making a sandwich 
for the husband as well. Yeah, exactly. That's how great these women were. Well, they yeah, as long as they were home at night to make dinner for their husbands, it was okay. Okay, two more. Virginia Apgar. Anybody named Apgar? Anybody who's in medicine and works with children will know the name Apgar because there's the Apgar tests, which are designed to see, you know, um, whether or not that the child is seeing and feeling correctly. And there's a scale, the Apgar scale, where they they have for newborns. So she was she was quite a a spectacular lady um, from Columbia University College of Physicians and surgeons and she actually had research at Sloan Hospital for women so she was really really great the Apgar score uh, was first performed in 1953 so it's uh it's it's just a, a regular mm-hmm. test now that they give in every make hospital. sure the baby's like on track yeah and even people who say oh, we'll give the Apgar test are not realizing a lot of them that it's it's because of Virginia Apgar hmm. that she died in 1974. Last one, and the last one I left for the last because um, this is Jocelyn Burnell, and she's still with us. She was born in 1943, and this is a really nice, nice story because um, she began her work with astronomy, graduated with a bachelor's degree from physics from the University of Glasgow, then went on to Cambridge to earn her PhD, um, and she was working with. Um, at the time of her discovery, she was working with a scientist whose name was Anthony Hewish, and he was studying, they were studying quasars. Yeah. And, yeah, and while well, independently working with radio telescopes, um, she noticed specific and constant signals being given off. And so she did a lot of work, and her observations um, were confiscated, really, and published with Hewish. It was his name appearing before hers, although she did the majority of the work. And even though um, it was her work, Hewish went on to win the 1974 Nobel Prize for his discovery of pulsars. And despite being wronged by not receiving formal credit, she, it's realized that she was she was the first person. But she became president of the Royal Astro- Astronomical Society from 2002 to 2004, president of the Institute of Physics from 1908 to October 1910, and was interim president following the death of her successor in early um, 2011. So in her lifetime, even though she didn't get the prize, she did get recognized for the work she did, and then she went on to um, to establish herself in, in the academic world, which is was rare mm-hmm. for people before her. And I think the tide is turning, but I think you still do find women being discriminated against, and men, you know, I hate to say that in front of you, Kevin. I know I feel you, a bit attacked. But, <laughs> but we, we, not all men. But we do, you know, Percent women do. Put the spear down. Yeah, <laughs> women do invent things that are not always cozy, but in, you know, <laughs> but contribute to the scientific world. But hopefully, girls will not. The girls who are in school now will not yes. have those barriers mm-hmm. and challenges. You know. Yes, to women, women with have contributed work. greatly to coziness. Yeah. All the coziness. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's really nice knowing that there's girls going to school nowadays. They're not like when they go into sciences when they when they show enjoyment in science and math. They're not ridiculed as much. 
No, my uh, my niece has a Ph. Just got her Ph.D. Uh, last year in genetics, mm-hmm. and the research that she did um, and continues to do um, with fruit flies is becoming a game changer. So you know the fact that she now is recognized mm-hmm. and. You know, and teaching and part of the faculty and her works yeah. are acknowledged. It's it's really wonderful. I'm surprised awesome. your name wasn't in there, Nancy. I mean, after <laughs> all, you did help build the pyramids of Egypt and the Great Wall of China. Well, and, well my my job is to be behind the scenes. <laughs> She's and a watcher. She's yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like to be behind the scenes and support others. Thank but you it so is much. personal satisfaction to know that I did contribute in a major <laughs> way to every scientific Everything. discovery, yeah. male or female. Nancy was a teacher to all these women. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Nancy. But it's time to great. Uh, it's time to move on to our our segment we always like called another brilliant moment. Brought to you by religion. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I was waiting for her to say it. I was making a funny face. <laughs> Okay, I've got a lot of stories this week. I was enjoying the music too much, okay? The music is fun. <laughs> it is really fun. You're in the Scott spot. Uh, okay, so the Christian Post noted earlier this month that... Uh, remember the movie, well, remember, the movie that just came out, Black Panther? <gasps> yes! Well, Sorry. It's so amazing. I love it. Apparently, the, the movie's being shown at black churches, and they're showing unpre- unprecedented support for the blockbuster for the movie, right? That's because it's amazing. It is a good movie. <laughs> But conservative activist Harry Jackson has expressed concerns about church support of the Marvel superhero movie because it features ancestor worship and cultism. Wait, wait, wait what? what? His, and his problem is? Which, which characters are... Oh, in the Black Panther movie. In the Black Panther um, movie, yes. Seriously? Yes. So Says the person who believes that they're going to go hang out with their ancestors. But Jackson believes that the film could cause doctrinal confusion. Because <laughs> reading the Bible won't give you yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, quote, I believe that many are reaching out because there's this secularized need for us to feel like those who have been told that they were less than, that they can really be powerful people. Jackson Pose. And we don't have to compromise the gospel for that message to come to black and Hispanics and other minorities. So, <laughs> with that in mind, and Easter approaching, he said that he is strongly considering preaching a sermon called The Real Black Panther is Jesus. But he's not a racist. Don't you dare wow. call him a racist. No, he'll deny it. Oh my god. No. Oh, so, Jackson stressed that every Christian should use this movie and the subject matter as a springboard to present the gospel to friends and family. Or how about not grown. No, <laughs> stop. Get how, your paws off Black Panther. How to ruin a perfectly good movie, right? <laughs> the, you know, oh. I, I don't know. A little sidebar here. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's been a lot of Christians movies coming out lately. Yeah, no. they've been putting a lot of money. So they've been putting a lot so of money. Bad. That's exactly <laughs> it. Desperation. Hey, but all just horrible. just think about the amazing God of a movie podcast yeah. that will come out of God this. Movies. <laughs> that's a that's a problem. The Christians don't seem to realize that the stories in the Bible are absolutely horrible. And if you want to make the Bible look really bad, put it on the silver screen. Mm-hmm. It, it looks. It's, stupid it's interesting as though when you look when you when you see what they have to change from the original material oh, yeah. to make it pal- palatable. palatable. Yeah, and it still sucks. Oh, totally. And it still sucks. Samson just came out. <laughs> it's a real horror yeah. thing. Anyway, moving on. Um, the Environment Protection Agency, the EPA, the head of the EPA, Scott Pruitt, said that his desires to use the Earth resources like oil and coal is grounded in the Bible. 
In an interview with the Christian Broadcasting Network, Pruitt spoke about how his Christian views inform his views on the environment and environmental age, uh, policy. Well, that's it. There goes the earth. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Let's just flood it. <laughs> uh, this should be great. Quote, the biblical worldview with respect to those issues is that we have a responsibility to manage and cultivate, harvest the natural resources that we've been blessed with to, tru- uh, with to truly bless our fellow mankind, he told CBN. Is there anybody on Trump's cabinet that actually understands what they're supposed to do and has a background no. of experience? The answer is no. You want, you want to harvest natural resources? Here's a clue, buddy. How about you harvest, like, solar power? I was about to there say There you that. go. And, and, you can harvest that. And the wind. And wind power instead of polluting everything more. <laughs> yeah. Quote, I spent a couple of years just earnestly praying, asking the question that I don't think we ask enough. God. What do you want? What do you want to do with me? He told CBN. <laughs> he's going to get the answer, and he's going to be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Isaiah chapter one that I was reading through at that time that really spoke to my heart. He said specifically in the latter part of the chapter, where where God says to Israel, "quote I will restore you leaders as in the days of old, you judges as in the beginning." <laughs> there was a desire that welled up in me, to, uh, in me to say. I want to be like those leaders that we had in the founding inception of our countries. That's right. He wants to go back to the 1700s because nothing says progress uh, like going back to the beginning. What What specifically <laughs> does he like about the 1700s? Was it the, slavery, the rampant, uh, yeah, slavery, discrimination against anyone who wasn't a white landowning man? There you go. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that wasn't from Ireland? <laughs> So there goes or, the or any country other than Britain. <laughs> and there goes the environment. Uh, speaking of dumb people, in an interview published in Peoples this, uh, this uh, past week, Oprah Winfrey said she'll consider running for president, no. but only if God sends her a clear sign. Oh, God. <sighs> Please don't. The funny thing is... <laughs> no. No. <laughs> the funny thing is, there was a sign that appeared because Michelle Bachman a couple months ago said the same thing. The uh, the ex-representative Michelle Bachman. Yeah. And somebody bought out a sign with an image of God saying, Michelle, no. Oh, <laughs> So they should do the same thing. Just, just kind call of it, waiting for that to show up. Just call we? it Nopra. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That in itself should be a disqualifying statement uh, of a whole rational country. Yet in the U.S., waiting for God's approval binds both Oprah and Michelle Bachman, which I just said about it. Uh, I made calls for her to consider a run for the White House from fans as well as her closest friend. I went into prayer, she says. Quote, God, if you think I'm supposed to run, you gotta tell me. It has to be clear that even I can't miss it. The issue with that is that people can interpret these, like, like, okay, a butterfly lands on a flower. Oh my gosh, that's God talking to me. I should run for president now. It's like, no. Like, if you, if you, if you, if you are interpreting random events as God talking to you, you can literally take anything from it. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be an international standard for signs. there isn't. Maybe that's what some of the Christians need to do is to establish an international standard for signs so people really know whether Michelle Bachman or Oprah Winfrey are seeing the correct sign that says no. (laughs) Well, I I don't know about you. I, I mean, Oprah is responsible for Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil and even The Secret remember The Secret yes yeah yeah so even if she ran as a Democrat I 
<laughs> she would, she wouldn't be better than Trump. I'm sorry. Bad well, idea. you know, at it, least anybody. I mean, anybody would I would be better than Trump. But well, no. I wouldn't say anybody. I wouldn't say yeah. anybody. <laughs> I, I'm least... almost willing to say anybody because it just it's hard. Mike to Pence wouldn't. <sighs> almost anybody. Well, you know, at least at least if she ran and she became president, at least we wouldn't have to worry about a president who actually knows how to read. Yeah, well, at least Mike Pence under has read the Constitution, yeah. <laughs> for see, better or worse. The, but the, yes, he'd be a terrible choice. The issue I could see with with a with a celebrity running is they will take the vote from a reasonable candidate who is a politician. That because the problem is you'll get people who are like, oh, I want to vote for Oprah because they have this image of Oprah that they think she's amazing and wonderful and that she'll do all these things without looking at like okay is this person actually a decent politician because that's what being president is being yeah. a politician well I think the problem with celebrity candidates is they're more concerned about their fame as oh, to totally. what, instead of doing what's right for the country yeah. and for the people so anyway speaking of more stupid people <laughs> remember Rob Ford in Toronto yes uh-huh. well his brother Doug Ford Tell me he's the mayor now. No, no, not yet. But uh, <laughs> <Not> yet. <laughs> a couple a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how a couple of very controversial Christian pastors decided to back him up to the point that these controversial pastors were too extreme for Christian TV. Yep. Well, now, Doug Ford said he'd welcome um, tabling dangerous and likely unconstitutional legislation making it harder for young women to access abortion no. in Ontario. Uh, no. No. Yes. We are not Saudi Arabia people. <laughs> He, he thinks that uh, parents should have a right to veto. So your 16-year-old daughter or even 18-year-old daughter decides to have an abortion, he thinks the parents should have the right oh, to step so do, in do those and parents, veto that. Do they, do they have to then take care of this new child that they've forced into the world? Or does this their daughter now have to raise that, that child? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, That's the ridiculous. dilemma. That's the dilemma. Now, he says, quote, I am personally pro-life and I believe in the sanctity of life to the anti-abortion group but he said he would not personally reopen the abortion debate but but he wouldn't stop somebody from doing so that's the thing I don't think it'd get very far no not in Canada nah yeah I will allow the MPPs to draft bring forward and debate any legislation that is important to them I will never muzzle members of our caucus so there you go Rob Ford oh sorry not Rob Ford Uh, (laughs) Doug Ford brother uh, this kind of prompted me to ask a few questions about abortion and the law here in Canada. And there's a few things that are interesting. Uh, for example, the uh, Saskatchewan uh, right-wing government uh, sought a legal opinion on parental consent laws in 2016. But the province Ministry of Justice concluded there was little doubt the Supreme Court would rule any legislation requiring minor girls to get their parents' consent before undergoing an abortion would violate the girl's right. Yeah. There you go. So the Supreme Court stands in their way for that. Canada's Supreme Court has also already ruled that male partners have no right to veto a woman's decision to have an abortion either. Yeah, that's good. I, th- I think that the father should have the right to, like, because, like, there's, like, uh, I forget what it is, but, like, say that they don't want any role in that child's life. Yeah. And kind of, like, cut off. Because, like, then... You're, you're opening a whole new can of worms here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, the leadership candidates of that Saskatchewan party also found themselves in hot water after floating the same idea last November. Constitutional issue aside, the idea is also dangerous and unethical. Responding to similar restriction in right-wing gov- uh, Republican states, the American Medical Association has stated parental consent laws breaches the doctor-patient confidentialities of minors and violates the Association Code of Medical Ethics. So, 
according to research from the University of California in San Francisco, one third of young women who choose not to involve their parents in their abortion procedure explicitly cited fears of reprisal, including physical violence. Yeah, understandable. Yeah, and totally understandable. So there we go. It's or a crazy world. This crazy week. world indeed. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I'm just happy I'm in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. So let's take a pause right now, and when we come right back, we'll be with Rebecca Fox. So stay with us. A Canadian, a New Yorker, and a Southern Belle walked into a podcast, and all hell broke loose. Seriously, though, what happens when we three ladies get together? Well, definitely a lot of talking and accents funny accents. Well, I don't have an accent, but my co-hosts sure do. We mix North, South, and the Great White North together for two hours of pure secular discussion. Nothing is off limits. From goofy religions like Scientology, woo like ghost hunting and alternative medicine, to hardcore history, hermeneutics, sex, and science, we cover it all. What the heck is a hermeneutic? Well, it's not a guy named Herman who sings falsetto, that's for sure. Join Beth, Ashley, and myself, Deborah, every Monday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and we take you beyond the trailer park and bring the conversation to life. Join us live on YouTube and participate in the conversation via the Q&A system, or catch us later on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Nobex. Visit www.beyondthetrailerpark.com for links to the show and our upcoming schedule. Bring your wine and sweet tea and settle in for fun facts and free thinking. We happily wear the explicit tag, though, so make sure to wash out your mouth with something tasty before listening. That's live at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Come give us a like and a share, no matter what type of accent you have. Do you know where Saskatchewan is? Probably not. It's in Canada. If you do, you might know a city named Regina. In Regina, there's a studio. And in that studio, there are, at least once a month, a bunch of skeptical atheist geeks and goofballs who get together to do a podcast. We are the Brainstorm Crew, and we're trying to help spread a bit of reason and critical thinking while still having fun. Never taking things too seriously, but still not accepting everything we're told, we go through different topics, exploring them in depth, and often disagreeing. We try to stick to provable facts, and we never trust a myth. That's why we say we're woo-free since 2013. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker under Brainstorm. Or check out our website, brainstormblog.net. I can't promise you'll always agree with us, but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us. Anti-Semitism was preached as an official doctrine of the church until 1964. Do you think that might have something to do with public opinion in Austria and Bavaria and Poland and Lithuania? that the, the Jewish people were accused collectively as a people of deicide, of the crime of the murder of God in the figure of Jesus of Nazareth. And that, that anathema on them was not lifted until 64, well after the uh, perpetrators of the Holocaust had stood trial in secular courts and been rightly punished for their actions. How can this church say it has any moral superiority? It has difficulty catching up to what ordinary people regard as common moral and ethical sense and it still can't make itself apologize properly all right joining us online is rebecca fox she is a comic book artist and skeptic 
And that basically sums it all up. She's also a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. <laughs> I hope I'm a snazzy dancer. We were just saying I'm going out dancing this evening. So, it's yeah. too late now. That's going out live. Everybody knows you as a snazzy dancer. <laughs> Uh, uh, Rebecca, you, uh, you're you're calling out of the UK there, and you're an artist. Um, would you be so kind, maybe give us a quick bio for our audience as to who Rebecca Fox is? Sure. Well, as you said, that does sum it up. I'm a comic book artist and a skeptic, and um, I started off just illustrating things. And whilst I was illustrating things, I was listening to podcasts about skepticism. And in my recent work doing comics about skepticism I've managed to put my two passions together at last but yeah I wasn't always a skeptic and that um that sort of perspective on having had the experience of believing quite some irrational things informs my work I hope <laughs> so maybe let's start there so maybe st tell us about your apostasy you, did, where did you did you come out of the church of England were you a Christian were oh you... no not at all um I was brought up by atheist parents oh. who are well I say atheist parents. I think someone else called it apatheist, which I quite like. Um, <laughs> they just didn't care about religion. No interest at all. Um, and But I still had that sort of yearning for something more and for a sort of spiritual side of the world. So I sort of got drawn to the more esoteric religions, and I ended up being a Wiccan for quite oh, a few nice. years. nice. Yeah. <laughs> as far as religions go, it's one of the... Most mm. fun and least harmful one. Oh, my, I have a sister who's a Wiccan. Oh, really? There you go. Yep. So you know. <laughs> I thought you told me your sister was wicked. She's both. <laughs> okay, she's... I'll bear that too. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, w w Wicca is obviously one of those religions that is um, much more female-friendly than the vast majority of the religions out there, especially the Abrahamic ones. Yeah, although it's interesting, actually, Wicca, it started in the UK in the 1940s, that's when it was invented. Don't listen to any witch who tells you it's older than that, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a long story. Uh, but yeah, when it started, it was started by a guy who was a bit of a misogynist, and there was that sort of overtone in it. And then at some point, I think it was like 60s, 70s, it came over to the US, and they linked it up with liberal politics and made it a much more sort of feminist, inclusive religion. But in the UK, we still have a bit of the old school, uh, you know, gender roles and um i don't know it's not it's not terrible but it's definitely less the sort of wicked that you guys experience mm -hmm. over in canada and in the u.s is different to what we have here hmm, that's very interesting interesting and so so you were attracted to this because you felt you needed some kind of spiritual life what was it about um, what was it about wicked that attracted you well i maybe it wasn't so much a spiritual life um I think a lot of people go looking for something to, that makes them feel sort of secure and comfortable and feel like they have control. And as far as like religions go, Wicca offers you the ultimate control because yeah. you literally have magical powers. <laughs> <laughs> it offers you security and comfort in a community of other witches. And um, yeah, it really, especially because I was a teenager and my family was a bit chaotic. And it gave me this sense of like belonging to something greater than myself, this like long lineage. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, I believed the story that this religion had come from pre-Roman Britain. So it linked me to something that I thought was ancient and that made me feel comfortable and powerful and wanted and part of something. And all that together was really intoxicating. Understandable. Yeah, you know, I'm. This is the. Uh, we've had a Wiccan on the show before, but that was a long time ago. But I'm curious because I had never heard this thing about Wicca starting in the, in the 1940s. And when you talk to Wiccans today, most of them they will say the 
is from a very long, long lineage. So could, could you please elaborate on that for the ignoramus out there like myself? <laughs> Sure, of course I can. It's weird because sometimes I talk to Wiccans and they're like, yeah, yeah, we know it started in the 1940s, but it's our faith and it's important to us anyway. And I'm like, well, fair enough, guys. <laughs> but um, I did. I believe that I believe that it was a pre. It was a continuation of a pre-Roman tradition, which was sort of stamped out merely by Christians. Mm-hmm. But actually, what happened was there's this guy called Gerald Gardner. And in 1941, he sort of invented it. I mean, he pulled it together from Alistair Crowley, theosophy, some Freemasonry, some sort of general esoteric currents that are going on around that time. And um, to give it more authenticity, he tied it to this uh, sort of uh, fringe theory that was going around at the time, which was advanced by an Egyptologist called Margaret Murray. Mm -hmm. And she said that the witch hunters were hunting actual witches. And she's the one who said that, um, that there, there was an ancient religion that had been oppressed and pushed underground. And she actually thought the witches were descended from fairies. But, yeah, <laughs> that's sidebar. Anyway, yeah, totally. um, so, so it was like the ancient aliens of the 1940s, this idea that witch hunters <laughs> were hunting actual witches. People believed it. She mm-hmm. wrote the um, entry for the Encyclopedia Britannica, which was on witchcraft, where she espoused these views. It's since been corrected, but it was in there for quite a long time. Anyway, so this idea was out there in the general zeitgeist that a secret religion had persisted, and Gerald Garner sort of glommed onto that and said, not only is this true what everyone's been saying, but I have been initiated into it, and I have all the goss. And he presented this book of shadows, like a book, of, a secret book that he claimed to have been um, given to him by a high priestess who had the connection of the lineage going back to the beginning of time. Uh, but when you look at that book, and I have looked at that book, it is pretty obviously now, from with like modern eyes, that it is just rehash of all these things <laughs> that were going on at the time. And uh, yeah, it's a bit disappointing, really. But he was he was a bit of a trickster. He was a fun guy, and he had this idea of this religion where he got to do his stuff. He was a nudist, so you had to be nude. <laughs> of course. He quite liked being um, scourged, like being ritualistically whipped. Oh, wow. uh, so there was lots of that in early Wicca. It was basically his his fetish mm-hmm. plus some Alistair Crowley and some other bits and bobs. He put it together as a package. People loved it because it's great fun. And um, and then it took off. And it's become its own thing since then. And now there's all sorts of different variants of Wicca. Yeah. Like I said, the, the one in the US is very different from the one in the UK. There's Gardenian Wicca, which is a descendant of what he invented. But there's loads of other different types. Oh, this podcast just got all kinky all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> What's in your presence? <laughs> so, so you dabbled in that for a while there right, in your youth, and then you decided to get out of it. And what what made you become a skeptic? Um, well, I I started traveling. Uh, I left the UK and I traveled around a bit. And um, because Wicca is such a nature religion, it's focused on being in line with the seasons. Mm-hmm. So I lost that entirely because you can't celebrate midwinter when you're in an equatorial country. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> so that sort of started to dissolve a bit. And then I was um, I was living in Australia. Well, I did actually hang out with some Wiccans there. They just flip everything. So you yeah. do the winter solstice in um, in the middle of the summer. Mm. Well, in the middle of the British summer. And you get what I mean. They just yeah. flip mm-hmm. everything. Yep. Uh, anyway, so I was kind of trying to persevere with that, but it didn't really feel quite right. And I met people with even stranger ideas than I had. I met a guy who was working at the same place as me who believed that the government was fluoridating the water oh to keep Australians stupid. <laughs> yeah. that was his, Did his he genuine... listen to Alex Jones by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> possibly, quite possibly. So yeah, I started researching oh. that and then 
I started reading the skeptical blogs about that, and then I started reading the skeptical blogs about other things, and I started listening to skeptical podcasts, and then I thought, wait a minute, all this stuff I believed about magic, when, if I think about that from the perspective of these skeptics I've been listening to, that doesn't make any sense, and it slowly sort of just dissolved away. Mm-hmm. And then, like a couple of years after I'd gone through this transition to being a skeptic, I guess, I I started thinking about the actual, what they call the sacred history of Wicca, which is what we're talking about, the idea that it's an ancient religion. Mm. And I started reading up on that. I was like, that's the last, the last crumb of my religion has just gone. <laughs> it's amazing what a bit of education will do to yeah. your beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just seeing, like, with traveling and seeing that other people have the same conviction of different beliefs and realizing that yeah. if, if, if they're wrong and have the same amount of conviction I do about my beliefs, then how likely is it that I'm wrong? Yeah, yeah. or more conviction. I mean, yeah. I was witnessing amazing, like, Hindu ceremonies and stuff, and these people are really into it, and it's, it's, it means a lot to them. It's important to them. They're invested. And I was like, ooh, I don't think I've ever felt quite what those people mm-hmm. are feeling. Mm-hmm. And yet I think my religion's the right one. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And in the meantime, you also discovered you had a bit of talent for drawing. <laughs> well, that was I've been drawing since I was a kid. Like it's just always been my mm-hmm. hobby. So I just carried on doing that in the in the margins all through my um my undergraduate, my postgraduate degree in literature. I was just like drawing and keeping it up, not really for any particular reason other than I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. And then it didn't occur to me that I could put um, uh, skepticism and art together until I started getting into comics and zines and re- finding comics that were actually interesting to me because I've never really been a big superhero person. Mm-hmm. But I started reading comics about people's autobiographical comics, mm-hmm. people's experiences in graphic novels, and I was like, yeah, this this is brilliant. This is literature and art together. All it needs is some skepticism, and it's <laughs> exactly what I want. Yeah, um, most comic book artists uh, will, will do something, they like to tell a story, but unless you're um, somebody who does an editorial, they usually shy away from controversy. What pushed you in, into going the other way? <laughs> I don't know if my book's that controversial. Um, uh, I think I wanted I wanted to fill a gap. I wanted to have something that I could give to the people in my life who were like, "What's this skepticism about? Why are you so into it? What you always like referencing it?" And you know, it seems to be a big part of your life. What's it about? And there was just no easy book to give them. I mean, I could give them like Carl Sagan's Demon Haunted mm-hmm. World, but if you're not motivated to read it, I yeah, don't know. I don't know if you would get through it. Yeah, I just wanted a little quick primer, basically. I thought, how how can I communicate this in the most efficient and you know engaging way that someone who might not necessarily pick up a book on science or skepticism would pick up, and also be able to give something to give to skeptics, to give to their friends and family or whoever, mm-hmm. um, to get more people interested. Which is why I went for the title, "How to Be Reasonable." Um, instead of how to be a skeptic or how to get your shit together or something. Yeah. You know, well, one, not good to swear in titles. Two, people often get skeptic mixed up with cynic, and I didn't really want to make that mistake. Yeah. So yes. Yes. the title ended up being How to Be Reasonable by Someone Who Tried Everything Else. It's <laughs> a very good title. Do, do most of your work aim to actually try to bring people into the skeptic movement, or do you do some of the work also, you know, by skeptic for skeptics? Um, well, my first book is kind of, I guess it's by an atheist for people who are interested in philosophy and ideology and how that works. So my first book is called Murmurs of Doubt. It's like um, a collection of 
short stories, short graphic stories about people experiencing doubt about their ideologies mm-hmm. or their religions. So I guess that's more, yeah, that's more aimed at skeptics. And I actually think how to be reasonable, although it is a primer on skepticism, I learned stuff whilst researching it. So I imagine any skeptic who picked it up would at least learn one or two things, or maybe learn a new way of looking at things they already know. Uh, but yeah, my, um, I have so many ideas. More, more books I can write That's and draw. Awesome. <laughs> is, it, is it too much asking? Maybe you can, without giving us too much spoilers, to give us one or two of your ideas that are coming up? Yeah, I have a project that I'm looking forward to starting quite soon with. Um, uh, have you heard of street epistemology? Of yes. course, Peter Bogosian. Yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting a project with Anthony Magnabosco okay. nice. around that subject, which will be really fun. And then I have a more ambitious project, which is going to take me years to get done, which is a graphic novel about free will. Oh, that, that will be fantastic. Ooh, that will be amazing. Yes, that's that such would an be interesting pre- um, t- uh, subject. I hope matter. you can have I feel like it's, it's something that's consumed me for, like, once I got the kind of the spiritual stuff out of my system I was like now I have to start looking at other philosophical yeah, problems totally. and free will is the big you know the big scary ones where, so. do you, where do you stand right now on the debate on free will um well I'm kind of working out as I work through my research um I guess I would say I'm a reluctant determinist or maybe not a determinist maybe but not I um see I think it's funny that we have this dichotomy between yes free will definitely exists or no you're a determinist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I'm a compatibilist because I don't think those two things are compatible but <laughs> I don't want to say I'm a determinist because I do think there's cha- there's, uh, there's space for there to be random chance yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah but if you had to pin me down I'd probably say reluctant determinist do you find that right now especially in this day and age where um, people don't read as much as they used to people have a tendency to go for the 30 second buzz line that your art might appeal a lot to the to these people? I think it's nice to be able to sum up an idea visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what I love about reading comics and graphic novels. It gives you, it lets something imprint on your brain more than just reading the text. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I think there are enough people who are engaged in a kind of, um, in a wordy way, and also in a visual way yeah. that, that that would work for. But I know I, it doesn't work for everyone. It's just, um, yeah. You know, I, I, I got it. All of a sudden, I just, I just had this great idea. I've got this great project you and I should collaborate on. We should do this graphic novel called Nancy the Wandering Jew. Because Nancy here in our show, you might not know this, but she's been present at every important event throughout history. She was there when the pyramids were built. She was there when JFK was shot. And that's her entire life. And I think that'd be a great project for you and I to collaborate on. Oh, Rebecca, it's just these young kids have no conception of anybody over 55, you know? And at my age, you know, I'm just almost pre precambrian pre monolith whatever lithic age whatever the layers are they see me at the bottom holding everything up on my up on my shoulders see when they get old they'll understand but by, i just wish i was here to see it but, happen but nancy by then we'll have like interspatial uh, interplanetary uh, travel so yeah. and my energy will still be here so don't forget it yeah. <laughs> rebecca what i have for an Idea is take all these these great images, you know, like an image of when they're building the the, 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 the Great Wall of China, and Photoshop Nancy in there somewhere on every one of them, you know. And I thought I, I don't know how to do Photoshop, but them on Google Images. Yeah, I, 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 you might be able to help me with that and make a nice yeah. scrapbook. That'd be great. I'm uh, the current Zelig, if you remember that movie. I'm it. 
Uh, Rebecca, do you plan on, uh, have you done or do you plan on doing uh, children's books? Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. It would have to be the right project. But mm. yeah, it's, it's something I've thought about. Yeah, because... I think, yeah, I think, uh, it's interesting. This book, How to Be Reasonable, is kind of like, I guess it's aimed at, I was thinking it was aimed at me when I was just on the brink of getting skepticism. So like someone in their early 20s mm-hmm. uh, who maybe thinks they're a bit too cool to read a primer on something mm-hmm. and he wants something a bit more punk and interesting. Uh, but it would actually work. I've, I've, I've sold it to people who have given it to their kids, you know, like 12-year-olds and younger, and they seem to get it. So I think it's, it's one of those things that's like young adult fiction that mm-hmm. could... That could an adult could read it and get stuff out of it, but also an older child get out of it. Oh yes, absolutely. Good religion has this nasty tendency to they call it the four to fourteen year old, year old window, right? They go after yeah. the kids because they know for well if you can indoctrinate the kids, it's harder to get them out of there once they're adults. Yeah, and I've been working really hard to like um, boil down the, the sort of the kind of. I mean, as you I, like, I put this together. It's a forty-page book. Um, so I had to kind of boil down a lot of information and stuff and try and figure out what the most important aspects of skepticism were and what the most kind of the, the stuff that people need to know that would make them excited to find out more, basically. Mm-hmm. And that sort of that process of going through a lot of information and figuring out what's important and how to put it together in a kind of pithy, engaging way. I think that's, that's the sort of skill that I could possibly use to do children's literature as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of movements and... and, and in groups, I guess, have been accused lately, especially of uh, chauvinistic tendencies. Uh, even the atheist movement and the skeptic movement as well. Has that been your experience as a woman? Have you bumped into a lot of opposition or have you been welcomed with open arms in many of those things? Well, sometimes it's the welcoming with open arms that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, a handshake no, will uh, do. A handshake will do. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, No, I haven't had any problems at all. I mean, maybe I've just been lucky. Uh, I grew up, my uh, my mum left when I was young, so I grew up among men. My dad raised me, me and my brother, so I've always been around blokes. It's just normal to me. Um, And obviously the atheist movement and skeptic movement, they probably have more men than women. Um, But maybe it's also a UK thing. I think this movement skepticism is very different in the UK than it is in America, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but I assume it's similar-ish to we're, the U.S.? We're, we're probably halfway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We like to distance yeah, we, ourselves from the U.S. as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> we're, right we're a lot less religious in Canada, thankfully. Yeah. So, so, I think, so what um, makes it different in the U.K.? What, how, how different are we talking about here? It's structurally very different, which impacts lots of different things. But uh, skepticism in the U.K. starts with small groups. So we have skeptics in the pub, yeah. which is... Yeah, so that's that's the main thing. It starts with small groups of people just chatting to each other, and then everything that we do grows out of those small groups. We don't have big organizations. We don't have, like, there are people who are well-known, obviously, but we don't have celebrities, really, in the movement. That's awesome. It's more about, it's more about the, what we're trying to achieve, the causes we're trying to achieve, and a group of people trying to achieve it together. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a hero worship thing as much. Of course, yeah. every, every group of humans will worship heroes. That's what we do. Yeah. But I don't think it's as prevalent. That I could see that working a lot better <laughs> yeah. than having a few people at the top and like yeah. being like they're amazing and then as being humans you will eventually find faults. Yeah, here yeah. here here in Canada I think we have a problem with apatheists. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, we have a skeptics in the pub in Abbotsford, and I think there are what two other in one in Vancouver yeah, and one in, Vancouver, one in Surrey. Yeah, so we have at least three and probably yeah, functioning exactly the same as yours. 
Yeah, I, I help run my local one. Um, well, I don't help that much, but I do help, <laughs> I help a little bit. You help by being there. One. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's great. It's a way in for anyone who's interested in skepticism mm-hmm. in the UK. And as you say, there are some in other places as well and other places around the world. But especially in the UK, it's quite, there's, a, there's a load of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice to just be able to come to a pub and meet other people on the same wavelength. Yeah. yeah. I'm not... And not have that like that scariness of oh I have to go to a big conference and I don't know what's going to be there or I have to read all these you know I have to read all these big texts or, yeah or like they won't it, accept me if I haven't like if I haven't read all of Dawkins' work and <laughs> well, we have lots of believers come along to our events as well oh, that's because so they're interested cool. in the topic and it gives them a chance to see their ideas from a different perspective mm. which would have been so valuable to me when I was back then so yeah absolutely absolutely uh you know i i, I really really got to commend you because the artists are often known as the mouthpiece of of movement and uh sometimes you can uh, put out in drawings what a lot of people feel and you know you you can express that for them uh but also um i'm, I'm hoping that i don't know if you've seen any uh, of the younger generation following you being encouraged to follow in your footsteps and 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 and, and more artists getting into the movement has that been your experience um i actually haven't spoken to many artists at all in the skeptic i don't think there's that many of us i i have absolutely no evidence for this this is just a vague Mm -hmm. theory but i suspect that artists tend to be people who um are prone to making connections you know like sort of patternicity we put stuff together in strange new patterns Mm -hmm. and that's really cool because it means you create new ideas it means you can make it you know beautiful art like i think all artists have this in common but it also the downside of that is it can lead you to making connections between you know say i drank this little tincture and i got better or i said this special set of words and something changed in the world so i think maybe there's like there's a double double-edged sword to the sort of skills the sort of mentality you have as an artist this sort of pattern prone personality and also woo or religion Mm -hmm. and i wonder and again this is just like a little theory that i think to about myself i've done no research to back it up so take it for what it's (laughs) worth but i wonder whether artists are underrepresented in the skeptics movement because artists generally tend to be less skeptical well, we certainly need to change that because uh, there's plenty of scientists and data crunchers, I could call them, in the, in the skeptical movement. But how do you express data? You know, I think art yeah, yeah. can help express that way better than just looking at the numbers. And I think like my life is so much richer for combining that sort of that fun making patterns part of my world and part of how my brain works and the critical thinking skills that I now have. Like, I think my life is massively improved because of skepticism, and I think that would be true for most people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's anything. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with artists and they can't think critically. I think maybe they're less um, inclined to go down that route for various reasons, probably cultural as well as, you know, anything to do with our brains. And hopefully that'll change soon because some of the best art that's coming out right now is actually in the realm of science. For example, some of the deep uh, image from Hubble and stuff like that. It's just absolutely yeah. stunning. And 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 uh, I hope to see a, a melding between the art community and the science community. Uh, and when that comes together, it's really going to be a, a stunning, spectacular benefit for the all, all of mankind. Uh, yeah, I agree, definitely. Yes, absolutely. In the meantime, Rebecca, what's what's coming up for you? What do you got? What are you working on right now? What's uh, what's uh, in, in the book for Rebecca? Well, I'm doing a lot of um, research. Well, not research. Um, a lot of practice, I guess, on 
public speaking because I'm going around do, talking about my book at Skeptics in the Pub events oh, all around Britain. So I'm conquering my nerves and getting out there and talking about my work and spending a long time drawing slides. Yes, drawing individual <laughs> slides, which I realize is ridiculous. It's really funny. <laughs> I actually don't think, sorry for cutting you off there. I don't think that drawing your own slides is absolutely ridiculous. I could see myself doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's such a good idea and they look so cool, but then you realize you've got to do like 50 of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's time to see me. I, I, is your uh, your book tour going to take you anywhere in North America, by chance? Um, I might come to DragonCon. DragonCon. Mm, well, I'm might sure. come to DragonCon. I'm not sure where that is. <laughs> Probably on the East Coast. Probably on the East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know where anything is in North America. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I, I I I've met the the guy who organized the Skeptic Track at DragonCon, and he is very nice, and he would like me to come. So hopefully awesome. that will work out. Did, did he mention a city? Give us a city. We'll locate it. I think it's in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, okay, so it's in the states. Pretty, pretty far yeah. from us. Yeah, <laughs> pretty far from it's us. America, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's somewhere Atlanta, in the, Atlanta, somewhere in the south Georgia. U.S. There. Yeah. North America, right? Sorry, My say that again. Not that, that still counts as North America. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm not so sure. <laughs> yes. I think I think we're voting to push Atlanta out. <laughs> <laughs> just just draw a circle around it. Yeah. <laughs> Canada's going to take over by the east and west coast of the U.S. soon enough here. We'll surround them. We'll surround them. We'll, we'll just, just surround them. Yeah, just like a cell engulfing another organism. <laughs> and then we'll just send, like, healing hugs, and maybe we'll eventually just... Yes. Like, just take their guns. Just hockey them. Give that to me. You don't need well, if Well, if, if your plans include coming to Vancouver, we are going to go and take you out to lunch and have a wonderful chat and enjoy your company. Yes. Oh, that's such a nice offer. I would love to come. <laughs> if I'm ever up your way, I will definitely take you up on Fantastic. that. Good. Rebecca, if people want to find out about your books and they want to find out about you, where can they get your books? Where can they, where can they reach you? Be, be shameless. Plug yourself there. Go right ahead. <laughs> I'm at Rebecca on paper, uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's my handle, just at Rebecca on paper. That's also my website, Rebecca on paper. And you can get my book at Amazon, either of my books at Amazon, or you can go to howtobereasonable.com. And then you'll see some sample pages and a little, some, um, you know, reviews from people, what they thought of it and stuff. So you can get an idea if you actually want to buy it. Awesome. Rebecca, before I let you go, I got to have you say, hi, I'm Rebecca Fox. And I took a left at the valley. Okay. Hi, I'm Rebecca Fox, and I took a left at the valley. <sighs> and that was Rebecca Fox. What a darling. What a sweetheart. I love oh, her. Oh, she is. She's so chatty. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it gives a bit of a glimpse also of what's going on on the mm-hmm. other side of the pond, if we could yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and I'm looking forward to seeing her books and uh, we'll see what's happened there. And, you know, I really think we do need more artists in, in the movement. Um, we have so many intellectuals and they talk about science and numbers and that's great but you know what art really affects oh it's hand in hand for lack of a better word the human soul it's hand in hand so go right to Amazon and buy her books yeah absolutely absolutely (laughs) well yeah and for uh, some people looking at art is or some people can look at something and get a lot more for something visual than necessarily a bunch of words to put it simply exactly exactly some some people you know uh, uh, churches and religion use emotion to drag you into the movement we uh, use data but sometimes data won't quite do it you know sometimes you have to bring a bit of an emotion to it as well and that's the wonderful thing about combining with like a graphic novel is combining that art with that information that's right 
Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. And uh, thank you so much to our audience for joining us today. Yeah, fun, lively show today. Mm-hmm. You can find us at uh, leftoutofvalue.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can send us an email at leftoutvalue at outlook.com. If you sign up for some of the places that uh, play our show, uh, you can uh, get an email in advance of when we're going to show uh, show up. And if give us a five-star review, that really helps others find the show. And it helps us, too, let's face it. <clears throat> All right, coming up next week, we'll be talking to Ira Pastor about biomimicry. I'm so excited. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. We've been looking forward to that one, too. And then we have our old friend Christopher DiCarlo is coming back on the show. He'll be talking about some of the uh, stories he's had to go through. And we're coming up on four years now. Seriously. Four years. And we'll, ba- we'll have Robert Stanley of the Right to Reason podcast. Oh, He's got good. a great voice, and I can't wait to see see and talk to him. And, of course, on the end of uh, March, we'll be talking to Ethan Siegel about the science of Star Trek. Again? Uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and in April, we'll be talking to Shelly Siegel, singer, artist, songwriter, and we'll also be talking to Jessica Schwab, who actually used to be a crystal child. And at the end of April, we'll be talking to Ben Davis about nuclear power. Wow. Yes. Good listening. We've got a great lineup. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you're turning so many shades of red right now. It's just yeah. absolutely amazing. <laughs> <sighs> and if any... If anyone listening has some ideas for the show, if there are some people out there that uh, you'd like to hear more of or you'd like to come on the show yes, and you have some ideas and a point of view that would make a great conversation, let us know. I mean, we're here for our audience and participate as much as you can. We love it. Speaking of which, we'll also have, uh, you know, we did Soji123 last week. We also have a father who will come and talk about his child, his transgender child that went through hell and uh, mm. we'll interview him as well as a bonus show so that should be fun yeah alright thank you so much guys anything else we need to add well uh, speaking of graphic novels you should go um, uh, read graphic Harry Potter novel oh jeez there you go you go back to being embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys until next time <laughs> Take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet